0: Well, it is a packed house in here this morning. Well, it's good to see everyone here. Yes, you've got a hand. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, welcome to episode one of our Dangerous, A Church Unleashed. And this series is a series that's going to lead us right into Easter. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, uh, this series is really focused around you, and what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life. And it's also focused on the passion and vision of our church here at Radiant Life. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're kind of kicking the tires, so to speak, on God and faith and all this stuff, that, that's great. Keep kicking, keep coming. I hope you sit back and you enjoy a little bit about who we are as a church and what we're trying to do as followers of Jesus. And so I've titled message number one, I dare you to dive deeper. Turn your neighbor and say, deeper. deeper. This whole series will be about revival, a spiritual revival. How many of you, by the raise of your hands, know this nation needs a revival? Right? I have never, I mean, not that I've been here on earth a real long time, but I've never seen so much hate and division than in my young 37 years on planet earth. And... Um, I know elections are coming up soon, and whoever gets it, they need Jesus, and we need to pray for that person. But if we're gonna ever make a change in this country, it's gotta start within the church first, and then it goes out. And I truly believe we're on the cusp of a revival in the church. And revival comes when the Holy Spirit comes and anoints his church with fresh power and it goes out. I I, I think for many of us, you're going to get spiritually awakened. Too many of us have fallen asleep spiritually. You may have been a follower of Jesus for 40 years, but you aren't any further in your faith than you were 40 years ago. And I say that with love. Maybe for some of us, man, that flame that was burning deeply for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, it's just gone now and what this series is going to do is my goal and the Holy Spirit's goal is to awaken us to a spiritual revival inside and then the impact that we can have on our community and in this county my goal is eventually at the end of this message or at the end of this series Lord willing we will saturate St. Joe County for Jesus Christ that's what I want to do and so if you're a note taker, if you got your Bible or tablet, and you're on the U version, I'm going to lay the foundation for us for the entire series, and we're going to keep going back. But if you want and follow along in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 47, we're going to go verses one through two, and I got to kind of set the foundation here a little bit for us as this is part one. Uh, let me let me say a couple things. Number one, if you have no idea where this guy's name is, look it up in the table of contents. Uh, I'll be honest, I was so tired of trying to find all the prophets in the Old Testament all the time, and so I finally got my own study Bible that is indexed, which means it tells me where exactly everyone is, right? So don't be afraid to use the table of contents. It's there for a reason. Like you sit and I say, hey, go turn to the book of Haggai. Good luck. Right? You're not gonna know unless you're always a, like, man, I won those sword drills when I was in Sunday school back in the day, and that's awesome. I cheated in sword drills, okay? I tried to finger flip to Matthew, and I'm like, come on, please be a Matthew book, right? Woo, okay, here we go. Some of you are like, what the heck is he talking about? What is a sword drill? Um, yeah, another time. But hey, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's a prophet. What that means in the Old Testament is a prophet kind of got a digital download from God, and he was the mouthpiece to the people. And here we get, Ezekiel gets this vision from God, and he records it. And it's a beautiful vision of what the New Testament church was supposed to be about. Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to walk through it, walk through it slowly together. Ezekiel chapter 1, or chapter 47, verse 1 begins like this. Oh, you guys were there. Great job. In my vision... The man—it's it's referring to an angel. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now, stop there. What, some of us may be thinking, "What's the temple?" I don't, Ryan, I don't understand the words. The temple was basically in the Old Testament. That's the church, and so we're told immediately that Ezekiel's saying, "Hey, this man, this angel, brought me to the entrance of the church. There, I saw a stream of uh, a stream flowing east." If you're you're a note taker, if you like marking up your Bible, circle east. Flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. So here you get the picture of of Ezekiel's kind of taken to the church and he notices that on the east side of the church, uh, there's water leaking. I wonder if Ezekiel's like, hey, did a pipe break? Did someone leave the water on? Like, Why is the church leaking water? Well, the angel's going to take him on a little journey here. In verse 2, it goes like this. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There it is again. There, I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gate. Now, what way is the water flowing out of the church? East, okay? East, so key to remember. Here's why in the ancient world, during the time of this writing, the enemies of God and the pagans lived to the east of Jerusalem. Keep that in mind. Think about Sturgis. What city lies east of Sturgis? Coldwater and Bronson, can't forget them. But our big rival back in the day when we were actually one conference here in Sturgis was Coldwater. So think of that. The water's going that way east towards the enemies towards the pagans it's key to know but remember the water is flowing out of the church it's flowing out and it continues measuring as he went he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet or maybe your translation says a third of a mile and led me across the water was up to my what friends ankles So here he's walking. He's like, okay, I'm going to show you guys. And You got to roll them up a little bit. You know, we don't know if the water was warm, cold, who knows what it was. But there we go. We're we're ankle deep now, right? Ankle deep. Can't see it. Rolled my pant legs up. Ankle deep. We're ankle deep. Now watch. It doesn't stop. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my what? Knees. Do you see the progression? It's getting a little deeper. Now Ezekiel's looking like a hillbilly. He's got to roll those suckers up, right? I know. I've worked to get these legs very hard. It's even harder when you're wearing skinny jeans to pull these suckers up, all right? It's getting deeper. Someone say deeper. Deeper. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my what, friends? I'm not showing you that one. I can't. It's just, no, it's impossible. But it's getting deeper. Watch that. It's slowing east towards the enemies, towards the pagans. And the water from the church, it's getting deeper. And then, Scripture says, and then he measured off another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And so the further this river is flowing from the church, the, further, the deeper it's getting. It was ankle, now it's knee, now it's waist. And Ezekiel's like, I can't walk through this anymore. I'm, you got to swim in this, or we got to just go backwards and get a little more shallow. But it's flowing, and it's getting deeper. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverside, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river, and so here, Ezekiel's like, wow, this is beautiful. This river that's trickling, that I thought it was a faucet leak, is getting super deep. It's like raging now, and it's moving towards the enemies, towards those who are lost, and there's beautiful things growing along the side of this. Then he continues, then he, referring to the angel, said to me, this river flows east, Through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salt waters of the Dead Sea fresh and what, friends? Notice this What, what once was dead is coming alive. What once was dead is coming alive. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows wherever it flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. And let's read this last line. Let's read this verse passionately together. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. It's moving. Notice the water's not stagnant. The water's not staying still. It's moving out from the church, and things are coming alive. Then he says this. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from En to to Inglam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun because they're out fishing and catching all these fish. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they will the Mediterranean. And so this river is moving from the church to the east where dead things are. It's getting deeper and then we're told it reaches the Dead Sea and things are coming alive. And here's a picture of the Dead Sea. Now this looks beautiful because it's been photoshopped and more enhanced for your viewing pleasure. But the Dead Sea is exactly what its name is. It's dead. There is nothing living in the Dead Sea. In fact, the Dead Sea is ten times saltier than our normal oceans are. And you can see there on the rocky shore, you can see how the salt builds up. There is no life there. And what Ezekiel is seeing is he's saying, hey, I see this thing coming out of the church, and I see things that were once dead coming alive, friends. It's coming alive. And he says, he continues, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will stay salty, Fruit. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of the trees will never turn brown and fall, and there'll always be fruit on their branches. There will be new crop every month, for they are watered by the rivers flowing from the temple. And here it is the fruit from those trees that everything's coming alive. It'll be for food, and the leaves for what, friends? For healing. And that's the foundation of where we get the picture of the New Testament church in the Old Testament. And I know for some of us, if this was your quiet time, you'd read this and be like, oh, that's, that's nice. Move on. But here, this is where we want to slow down. Because this is the picture of the church that's flowing in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That here, there is a rushing river. And what did it represent it represented the power of the Holy Spirit in us flowing from within the church. That it got deeper as it got further out towards the enemies and towards those who were lost. In fact, Jesus was such a brilliant teacher in the New Testament, he talked about this idea. He was sitting there in the last days of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated at the last day of the dry season. Israel has two seasons, dry season And the wet season. And at the end of the dry season, their festival was to please, they did it with palm branches because it sounded like rain. You were praying that God would bring water down from heaven to water your crops so you would have an abundance of harvest. And at this time also, your cisterns, that deep wells in the earth that kept your water, would have been down to nothing And so this is the festival that you're praying. God, water, please rain down from heaven. And Jesus gets on the temple steps, gets up on the church and starts preaching. And here's what he says in John chapter 7. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, here it is. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he means the who? The Spirit. So in other words, this this river has a supernatural power, and is called the Holy Spirit in us, but we're flowing out from the church. That the river gets deeper and deeper until it saturates everything in its path. And notice, as it flows from within the church, deeper, deeper it gets. But it starts with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is what I love. And I, want, and I read this and I look and realize, listen, it's not a church that lives for itself, friends. It's a church that lives for those who aren't what? Are here yet. And some of you said, no, it's not. The church is supposed to be for the Christians. Let me ask you, Ezekiel, where did the water flow? The water did not stay in the church. The water flowed out. The water went out. And here's what, whoo! I love this stuff. I love this stuff. This, this, this is our faith, friends. This is our faith right here. This is it. This is, this is Jesus' mission when he said in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In the, in the American church, we've missed it because we've become so insider focused. And we've become so opinionated on how church should run. Ah, your music's too loud. I don't like it. Well, is it reaching lost people? Yep, then we're going to do it. I'll worship to my own style, the way I love, other seven days of the week. But I'm going to come and hopefully I can witness and be a blessing to someone in the church. I hate country music. How many of you love it? God bless you. I say it all the time. If we got to get a banjo and country music and that's what's going to save lost people, then we're going to worship to country music and a banjo. No, don't amen that one. That is horrible. Right? Because watch this church, we can't, we cannot miss it. Where's the water flowing? To the east where the lost people are. And what's weird is that's where it's the deepest. It's out there where the lost are. It's not deepest in the church, it's deepest out there. What's weird too is that normally the source and the headwaters, that's where it's usually deepest. But if you were to summarize Those 12 verses, it's the farther it flows, the deeper it grows. We want to be a church that goes deep and wide. Remember the song back in the day? You're singing it in your head right now. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not good at singing. You don't want to hear me sing. You already have, but unfortunately, deep and wide. What I realized is, well, how, Ryan, how does that play out? Because I realize when you go out with the greatest message of who Jesus Christ is, and you're talking to lost people. Remember, lost people most of the time don't understand they're lost. Always have that perspective. They don't understand they're lost. They, understand that, they don't even understand that they're created in the image of God, and there's a hole in their heart that only God can fill. But they're going to the world for it. And so I realized why does this happen? Why does the further it flows the deeper it grows? Because the farther I go and talk to the lost people and, and get them, man, get them on fire for Jesus. Here's what I happen: my faith deepens. That's why the farther it grows, the deeper it grows. Because your faith will radically deepen and you will be more amazed on who God is when you actually start going out to the lost and broken places. Your deep, your faith deepens. Your faith deepens. And so I'm not, I don't want to be about status quo Christianity. I want to be about a Christianity in our faith that lights a fire that's infused with the Holy Spirit, that's living in power, that will saturate this entire county for Jesus Christ because there are broken people and hurting people that need to know who Jesus is, and we are the message to them. They may never step foot inside these walls because they have a skewed view of church, of Christians, whatever it is, but you're interacting with them on a daily basis in your neighborhood, and when you go grocery shopping, and when you work, you're interacting with them all the time. But so remember the three steps Ezekiel takes. Number one, it's ankle deep. Number two, from ankles to knees, from knees to the waist. And this, it's this that finally in the waist, he goes swimming. And that's a video, or that's a picture right here of when the Holy Spirit, man, when we just say, Holy Spirit, I'm all in, take me, take me. Because who can, a trickle, a trickle turns into a raging river with the Holy Spirit. It's called a revival. It's gushing, it's raging, it's flowing out to the places that are dead in our community. And we're finally being the church that Jesus Christ died and was buried and resurrected for. That his vision, read the book of Acts. What would what, they do? Guess what? They didn't even have the building a church yet. When the New Testament church, they were meeting in homes, but then they were going out. And thousands of people were getting saved. Why? Because I believe they went out and didn't stay in. That's why. And with the power of the Holy Spirit. So revival happens when the Holy Spirit wakes up dead Christians. Convicted about the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And they get a new fire. Some of our fire has just gone out. And this whole series is, whoo, and we're going to light it again. Holy Spirit, light it again. In the Old Testament, watch, in the Old Testament, it flowed out of the church. In the New Testament, Jesus says, you are the church. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to go out now. It's you. Go out to the hurting and broken places. Go reach them. Wake them up, church. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's All right. I think caffeine wakes us up too besides holy spirit but we're going to do both here we go so what does it produce what does it produce number 1 when we actually flow out it's going to produce life Ezekiel again Ezekiel 12 or 47 verse 9 says this life will what friends wherever the this water flows it's a promise So let me ask you a question. What's dead or dry in your life? Think about that. What's dead or dry in your life? You just need, God, I need this life. I need this living water to flow through me. I need it to touch my family. I need it to touch my marriage. I need it to touch my job. I need it to touch, you name it. But it will produce, when it flows, it will produce life. Second thing it produces Is fruit. Who doesn't want to bear good fruit? Fruit. Here's what, Ezekiel, in verse 12, it reads this way, right? The fruit will be for food and the leaves for what, friends? You have fruit, but you also, in the midst of it, you, excuse me, you have healing. You have healing. In the 1700s and 1800s, you had a, a revival that sparked. And in that revival, it wasn't the men or women that started it. It was finally surrendering to the Holy Spirit that sparked those revivals, It sparked them, and it's being a church that flows afresh in the power of the Holy Spirit and brings healing to broken places. This has been my wife and I's prayer since the day that we got here on July 19th, 2015, that this church would be a place of hope and healing for people, that they would experience the living water of who Jesus Christ is. That Yes, broken lives would be healed and redeemed. Families, marriages, relationships, dreams would be rebirthed again and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense, church? Come on, that's what we gotta be. That's what Jesus died on the cross for. So let me ask, what is dry in your world that needs revival, that just needs an awakening? What is broken in your world that needs healing? Because Jesus' promise, life Fruit and healing when the living water flows through you. It's a promise. And as the Holy Spirit flows out, thirsty people flow in. Who? And when the church becomes unleashed with this kind of power, who can resist it? People are drawn. Now, let me say this Who was drawn to Jesus? people most unlike Jesus was drawn to Jesus. The religious people weren't drawn to Jesus. He criticized them. You hypocrites, you brood of vipers, a.k.a. you sons of devil. That's what he called the religious people. They weren't drawn to him. They were offended by him. But the prostitute, the ostracized, those who are spiritually thirsty, We're drawn to him. And so, one thing I love about what we're becoming is there's a, we had someone come to church a little while back, and um, they were weeping, absolutely weeping. And in the midst of it, you know, they smelled a little bit of alcohol, and weeping, shaking weeping. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? I never had, had church hurts. And some of you, you have church hurts. Uh, because church isn't perfect, but you have church hurts. And they had church hurts. And the words that came to us was, I never thought church could feel and be this way. That's why we exist. And then the person says, I can't wait to come back next week. And it's only Sunday. Some of us, you just can't wait to, you're fine. some of you are sleeping right now. Thirsty people will flow in when the church gets on fire for Jesus Christ. Come on, it's coming. So, some of you may be sitting back, and I was going to wrap up here. Sitting back, well, I don't like the way the church is going, Ryan. Can I speak from my heart to you for a minute? We will do everything short of sinning to reach those who are lost and broken. I think that's the heartbeat of who Jesus Christ is. And perhaps we've missed the heartbeat of Ezekiel 47. The New Testament church flows out. It does not stay in. It flows out. I want us to go deep, spiritually get into groups and grow your faith in Sunday morning. But I want us to go wide as well. And going wide means sometimes it's messy. Right? The number on that wall, 732 lives surrendered to Jesus since 2015, we had 22 that I have not added to that number that happened last week. Isn't that awesome? There are people who are desperate for a drink of God's love and God's grace. There's a generation out there, I, I promise I'm wrapping up, there's a generation out there that's called the rise of the nuns. What that means is when the census comes out, they don't mark any religious affiliation. In fact, they, they, they mark none. We don't have any. And so that's how they get the name, the rise of the nuns. It's the largest rising generation that we're having right now. It's those that are saying, I'm not done with God, but I'm done with traditional church. They're not hearing They can't be done with God because they're created in the image of God and the hole in their heart. God's wanting to fulfill or fill in their lives, but they're going everywhere else for it. They're just sick of traditional church because, if you were here last week, because they call us hypocrites. They want to say, does your God actually matter than Sunday morning? And I want to say, absolutely it does. God matters on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 24-7. God matters. God matters. Wherever we're going, the Holy Spirit empower me. Ah, I may have to talk to this person. Ah, I don't know how to talk to him. Neither do I. I fly out tomorrow with Pastor Josh for Orla- to Orlando for a couple days. I'm sitting there going, oh, man, who am I going to sit by on the airplane? Right? Anyone else that would be that way? Like, oh, man, I don't, I mean, I know I've got Josh next to me, but who's also <laughs> next to me? And uh, maybe I don't want to converse with them. But you know what? If God says, Ryan, have a conversation with them, oh, man. All right, because I, I want to put my headphones on and just do my own thing. But it doesn't matter. No. God, what do you want me to do every day of the week? It's about you. So there are spiritually thirsty people all over that are in your sphere of influence. And ushers, you're going to come down right now, and everyone's going to get this. This one, you're passing out, may take a little longer in this service. Everyone's going to get a card that on the front, it has this. Little look that says, spiritually thirsty people. And here's the ask for this series we're gonna ask that you flow out of the church, friends. So on the backside, it looks like this. And I'm gonna ask you to identify three spiritually thirsty people in my life, whom I'm praying will come into a life changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, my apologies, I didn't realize at the time, you probably. It's a dark image. It's going to be hard to write. But maybe you can find another pen to write in there. But you know it. You keep it. And then the prayer is, Holy Spirit, use me to reach so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Three spiritually thirsty friends. And you say, Ryan, I don't have friends. Well, (laughs) that sounded horrible. Um, But you have relatives. You have family, right? What about there? You have acquaintances that you just bump into, getting that waitress or waiter. What about them? You also have neighbors, right? What about them? And you have co-workers. What about them? Three thirsty people that we as a church are praying for.